first service, I tears came to my eyes as the choir sang that song, and 
They did such a marvelous job, and I just thank the Lord for the presentation of uh, all the songs in the presence of the, of the Lord. Be thou my vision, may our eyes be upon him. And then the verse in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Many of the things that we talked about today was about peace. We can ask ourselves, do we have peace in our soul? And if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can have peace in your soul. You can have assurance of where you're going to spend eternity. And that's a peace that passes all understanding. And so thank the Lord for that. And I hope this morning you do have that peace. And that peace needs to be reflected in our lives. Would you not agree? We have a handout this morning. And our ushers have it. If you brought yours back, God bless you. You uh, kept it. If you haven't brought it back, uh, keep on to it. If you need one this morning, lift up your hands. And uh, we'll give you one this morning. This is a, a document on our series, our mini-series on the glory of the Lord. I would encourage you to hold on to this as this is uh, very, very important for us as a, uh, uh, a church to understand what it means the glory of the Lord, it's where the rubber meets the road of what we're all about. And that our purpose of life is to bring Him glory. And we need to know what that looks like. And so that's what we have, have been talking about here in our presentation the last couple of weeks. This is our third presentation on this. If you have not heard the first two, you can always go online and catch those uh, or request a DVD of the services and we can get those to you. Uh, hold on to it for next week as well. Can you do that? As uh, we uh, will be uh, continuing on this uh, next week for certain. And I'm not sure how much further, but uh, uh, next time we give you one, it might be a little bit higher price, all right? We might charge you $100 for the next copy, all right? So I'm kidding you, of course, but, but uh, do hold on to it. And, and I hope that you'll file away something that you can look at later on down the road. And we've been talking about this definition of the glory of the Lord and that it is to reflect who God is. And if you don't know who God is, then you're going to have a hard time reflecting who God is. And uh, being like God is my actions, are my responses like God? What would Jesus do? Well, we need to know. And the more we grow in our understanding of the Bible, the more we can respond properly, appropriately. And so we got into this last time about my attitude. Does my attitude reflect who God is? And we just saying, and we just quoted verses, and oftentimes we know things, but we really don't know it. If we really understand who God is, then why don't we have a better attitude? You know, they sang in there about happiness and joy and things like that. And sometimes I have it and sometimes I don't. Y'all there with me at times? You know, sometimes, man, this is great. Well, what made it great? Was it the circumstances? Remember I said, well, I'm under the weather. Well, what are we doing under the weather? You know, well, I'm down in the dumps. That's not a good place to be. We should be feasting on the glories of heaven. Because if we're going to reflect who God is then we need to know who He is and we need to respond to who He is. And this peace, you know, the world is crying out for peace, aren't they? They're looking for peace. They're, they're trying to turn up uh, every rock and they're looking for peace. Have you noticed that the more the world is crying out for peace, the less peace this world has? 
Because they're not going to the source of peace. The Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9, verse 6. Jesus Christ came into this world not to condemn this world, but to give us life and to give us that peace that passes all understanding. And if you know Jesus Christ and you've entered into a relationship with Him, Him being your Savior, Him being the Lord of your life, you will find a greater peace than this world will ever know. This world will not discover peace apart from Jesus Christ. And even though like uh, Darlene and... um, Karen sang this morning about the, the, the blessings of having God in our lives through the storms and through the struggles. We have an anchor, as we sang this morning. There's a peace that can come into my soul. And God doesn't want us to be anxious or be careful about nothing, but in all things, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your minds and your heart through Christ Jesus. Wow! Do you have that peace? Do you have that peace? A peace that takes us through the storms of life. A peace that we know where we're going to spend eternity. You know, it was so wonderful having Alicia in church this morning with us. You know something, having surgery on Friday and being in church on Sunday. Amen. That speaks volumes. The trust that she has in the Lord. You read her emails. How many get her emails? A couple of you do. Aren't Chuck, aren't they something? Especially this morning. I don't know if I read this. Yes, I did read this morning. Yesterday. Wonderful. A peace looking at terminal cancer. Realizing that I'll be with God forever and ever. I hope you have that peace. If you don't, you can have it today. And that should be reflecting in our life. And in our attitude, in our responses, we sometimes convey to this world that we have a God who doesn't know what He's doing. Because we complain. And we criticize. And we get down in the dumps. You know, folks, listen to me. If we are to be reflecting who God is, should our attitude be right? And I don't know about you, you know, sometimes we think about those horrible sins that are out there. You come to the place where you love God enough that you want to reflect Him to this world, that you're concerned about how you respond to people in this world, that they see the glory of God in your life. By the way, that is redounding glory. That's the last point we'll get to. Redounding glory. To come to the place to have redounding glory in my life. You can, you can, <laughs> you can cheat since I've given you the notes. And you can read the, read the conclusion before I finish the message, alright? But uh, I want to encourage you that our lives will bring glory to Him. And listen, we, we need to know the truth. We, we in our Sunday school class this morning, we were talking about why are people so afraid of the truth? People are spending billions of dollars to try to disprove that there's a God. Tell me that makes any sense. There's a God. But why are people afraid to discover God? 
You know, people will make excuses in their lives. And, and when we talk to them on our door knocking time or visitation, they'll say, well, I have the God of my understanding. Are you willing to bet your eternal destiny on the God of your understanding? Well, that's my opinion. What's the basis of our opinions? I like that we have a Bible. Amen to that. And it's thus saith the Lord. And yet people today are trying to do away with absolute truth. There's one way to heaven. Jesus Christ said it. And that settles it. Whether you believe it or not, you will not change truth. You know, when people believe that the world was flat, did they believe it? They really believed it. They felt like Columbus was going to sail off the ends of the oceans. Never come back. Does that change that the world is round? Just because you believe something doesn't change truth. Truth is in God's word and God is true. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but Him. And so people are afraid of truth. I want to ask you a question. Are you afraid of truth? Now, be careful how you answer, because as we were going through our Sunday school this morning, God spoke to my heart. Because it's so easy to say, why don't they accept the truth? Why don't they just uh, obey the truth? And then it's like God said to me, why don't you obey the truth? Yeah, ouch, brother Fran. Yeah, ouch. And so often we want the truth. Can we be honest let me ask you this question. Do you want me to stand up here and give you truth or do you want me to tickle your ears? Do you want me to be honest with you? Are you sure? You know, the Bible says in the end times that people aren't going to want the preacher to be honest. They'd rather listen to fables and fairy tales rather than the truth of God's word. So we hear this morning say, you know, preacher, we want you to make sure that you preach truth. We don't want to come here fairy tales. We don't want to have warm fuzzies. We want to have what thus saith the Lord is. So you want the preacher to be honest. Do you want to be honest with yourself? Do we want to be honest with ourselves? And you know God spoke to my heart. Because sometimes I ask God to lead me. And sometimes I don't like the answer that he's leading me in. And sometimes I'm challenged, do I really, did I really want the answer in the first place? Sometimes we as born-again believers want God to fit into our own understanding rather than thus who He is. Let's pray. Father, I pray that You'll help us to be honest with ourselves this morning. And Lord, as Your Spirit speaks to us, convicts us and we are here yes to be encouraged and it's encouraging to hear truth it's encouraging to find those things in our lives that we can better ourselves it's encouraging to discover that on our journey that that there's an excitement in our journey that we can have and lord truly we want to be honest with ourselves and so as the word of god is preached and the holy spirit does his work lord it is my prayer that you will do your work in our hearts i thank you for speaking to my heart this morning and Lord, we are a work in progress and Lord, we need to see those things that you uh, will be glorified with and those things in our life that you're not glorified with. And we need to be honest with ourselves because there's a world that is dying 
and going to spend eternity somewhere. And we're supposed to be the lights in this world. So help us to understand now these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you say that our attitude often reflects our views of who God is? Let me, I, I wrote some of these down the other day. And I, again, I try to remember the attributes of God because if I'm supposed to reflect who God is, then I should be reflecting His attributes, not my attributes. And, and uh, interesting, some of the words that I looked up this morning about uh, Paul, and, and we won't get to it, but about him boasting in himself. And he doesn't want to boast in himself. He wants God's glory to be seen. And we, we really want that in our, in our lives. But in my attitude, when things go astray or I, I'm struggling with things, how do I reflect who I believe God really to be? Questions that we ask ourselves. Does he know? And the answer is? Yeah, he does. But yet we all ask ourselves that question. It's almost like the old devil sitting on your shoulder and whispering ears. Does God really know what's going on in your life? And we need to put down those lies right on the onset or else they will discourage us. You know, this world has a view and an opinion about who God is. But my friends, oftentimes those things start creeping into the Christian lives and they start evaluating God on their own understanding rather than the God of the Bible. He is omniscient. He knows all things. Is He with us? Is He? I don't know about you, but I felt the presence of the Lord here this morning. Amen. I'm thankful for that. I really am. There are some times that, you know, you don't feel the presence of the Lord. Uh, you've heard that, uh, that adage or that poem about uh, footprints in the sand. It was that he didn't know that God was there as when God was carrying him. You know, that's the, the story behind that. Is God here? Is God always with us? God says he'll never leave us or forsake us. If you're a born-again believer, God is there with you. Does He have the power? Does He? He's all-powerful. But you see how these questions, we begin to entertain those. And a person whose life has not been saturated in the Word of God and and the layers of God's truth have not been revealed to a person and they really don't understand who God is, they will ask those questions more frequently. But let me say this. Do you think your preacher ever asked those questions? Oh, absolutely. Do you think do you think our deacon asked those questions? You can ask those questions time and time again. But my friends, understand that God is true and we need to answer the lies and the negative devil thoughts that come into our heads through the power and the word of God. It will say, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Because as soon as you begin to question who God is, you begin to show the world who you think God is and they don't see the light of who really God is. Am I getting, oh, I like this one. Am I getting better than I deserve? Yes. <laughs> then why do we complain? Because we're people. Because we're human. Can I count on him? Yes. 
Does he love me? I've told you this story time and time again when eight years in the ministry here, I went out and had to get a job outside of the church and I was digging sewer ditches. And when I was standing on top of a hill one day filling in this sewer ditch, I said, God, you don't love me. You know why I said that, don't you? Why did I say that? I didn't like my circumstances. Did that change who God is? I tell you what, I I remember as if it were today when God broke my heart. He says, how can you say that when I sent my son to rescue you from hell? And he broke my heart. I've never questioned God's love since then. I tell you what, he showed himself to me. And it's a truth that we understand. But yet sometimes we don't apply that truth. And therefore our responses start to stink. Are his ways better than mine? Then why are you trying to lead? To all of us who are caloric and A personalities. Does he have a plan? He does. We need to be following him in all thy ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. And so we have these attitudes here. And we've talked about them. Then we talked about attire. And, and, and really, the reality of the attire here in First Timothy, talking to women there, and women struggle with their attires oftentimes, and sometimes dress where they shouldn't, and sometimes dress to please men, and sometimes dress to please the world, and sometimes dress to be fashionable, and all these things. God says the best attire is put on Jesus Christ. What's my attitude? How am I reflecting? What's my spirit? How am I conducting myself? He says, there's no greater beauty in a woman than that which is created in the soul of her heart. Then my ambitions. We talked about this, about being a good employee. We'll talk a little bit more about it later, about working and serving and fervency and not slothful, but man, fervent in spirit. And sometimes I, I, have to, I have to admit that sometimes I just get a little too fervent with my horn. I just want to tell you that. I just love to blow it. You know what I mean? And... Uh, and then I let it slide, you know. So, oh yeah. So, oh, is that the best joke you have? Probably. <laughs> oh, I tell you what. Whatsoever your hands find to do it with, do it with your might. God doesn't need to see the Duck fans more excited about their players on the field than we are of Jesus Christ. Man, there should be a passion in our soul. For our Lord, who He is. And then we got into um, uh, our attendance. Our attendance. And I asked this question. We need to be honest with ourselves. Okay? Does my attendance reflect the glory of God? Well, you say, preacher, listen, I, 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 I don't mind uh, just... Just kind of dabbling into church a little bit. Does my attendance reflect who God is? We say, preacher, I don't, sometimes I don't feel like going. Guess what? Yeah, sometimes I don't feel like going. We had a leadership conference Friday and Saturday. And I think, oh man, Friday night and Saturday. And oh my, I'd rather be home doing something. <laughs> Sometimes I'll come home from church on Sunday and I'm tired and my wife fixes a wonderful meal and I eat it and my belly is filled and I'm tired. 
and I want to take a nap. And by the way, taking a nap is godly. Did you know that? <laughs> he rested on the sixth day, didn't he? So, I mean, after all that work, you, you, and by the way, I think we should take a day of rest. It's important for us that we can burn ourselves out. And, and so, and you come back and you say, man, I got church on Sunday night or church on Wednesday night. And sometimes you just don't feel like going. And sometimes we are flat spiritually. And sometimes when we go to church, it's just church. I'm going to tell you something, my friends. Don't let church just be church. Find and discover that which thrills your soul. Even in your Bible reading, and I find this often, that oftentimes when church becomes flat, it's oftentimes in their devotions as well. And there are periods that we go through like that. I have gone through those. And I don't like it. But if you don't change it, you always get what you always got. And so, Lord, where it is. Remember we talked about Ephesus Church there in Revelation chapter 2 where it says you have lost your first love. I tell you what, don't ever get over the thrill of serving Jesus and coming and, and saying, Lord, give me something. Help me to discover or help me to be a blessing to someone else. By the way, do you know if we come to church with an attitude that we want to be a blessing to other people, that oftentimes you will be blessed more than you'll bless other people? That's not a bad idea, is it? Give and it shall be what? Given unto you. Sometimes people are just shopping around for a church that will meet their fancies rather than saying, God, where do you want me to serve you? And where do you want me to glorify you? Where do you want me to grow my life? And stay engaged into it. I thank the Lord there are folks here in this church that have served for over 20 years in this church. We were discovering in our leadership conference about uh, how that people change. And a lot of times a pastor will change a church every two, three years. And they talk about this. They, they, they talk about this, this leadership level of a hand and a, a head and a heart. And oftentimes a pastor never is able to reach the heart because he changes or people change the church. I thank the Lord that... Uh, uh, we have folks here that have served time and time again. But what keeps you serving, Ernie? What keeps the thrill of getting up there and leading the music? Sometimes health's not there, is it? Sometimes the mind's not there either, is it? Uh, our choir director this morning. Boy, we had to re-engage her mind this morning to get up there and lead the congregation or lead the choir and all. And sometimes it's easy to drift. Sometimes it's easy to wonder what's going on. Keep the thrill of serving Jesus in your heart and discover what it is. And I'm going to tell you something. I personally believe it's getting into the Word on a daily basis and having a daily time with God. You know, Joanne, it's good to see. Joanne's been sick and come back. And Joanne just started getting into Bible Pathways. Is that right? Man, I'm going to tell you something. There's some riches in there, isn't there? Wow! And that's the way it should be in our devotions and in our time and, and, and find it. And listen, if it's just going through the motions, then something needs to change. My ambitions, my attendance. You know, and I, I said this already. I said, man, we in our first service, we had a lady that was in surgery on Friday and, and serious, fairly serious surgery. And she's in church on Sunday. Praise the Lord for that. And I'm going to tell you something. You know why she was here? 
because she wanted to enjoy the fellowship and the Word of God and the singing. And it's hard to get that on television. You've heard the old adage about the fireplace and the coals in the fireplace and how they become so red hot in that fireplace and the heat and the ambers as they're burning and you take one of those coals out of the fireplace and you set it on the mantle, what happens to that coal? It dies out. I'm going to tell you, that's why God says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner, as the custom of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Then we go into the next areas. And you have your notes. Uh, did we, we passed these out, didn't we, already? So you've got those, and we're under now the appetites. <laughs> the appetites. And when I think of appetites, I think of, of our leadership conference, and we had some incredible brownies. I'm going to tell you, weren't they good? Whoo! They had brownies with raspberry filling and fudge on top. Wow. And I got on the scale this morning. Wow. But guess what, Linda? I wanted to find out who made those brownies. And so I searched out and I discovered it was Dottie Clutterham that made those brownies. Wow. They were great. When I think of appetites, that's oftentimes what goes through my mind. What am I going to eat? And I love to eat. Can you tell? By the way, looking at this audience, I can tell as well. (laughs) We love to eat. But now that same desire and discovering the truths of God's word, it becomes the delight and it becomes the delicacy. Let me ask you something. Do I enjoy eating more food that's physical or more food that's spiritual? You be honest with yourself. You see what I'm saying? We need to be honest with ourselves. It seems like the things of this world have caught our attention. And yes, we enjoy brownies. And yes, I could go on a whole list of things I enjoy. But do I enjoy God's Word? Do you enjoy God's Word? By the way, I believe if you come here to Westside Baptist Church is because you want to enjoy God's Word. We should come and have a feast. Do you notice how many verses that are in this flyer that we've given you? To discover the glory of the Lord. Something that we all should know about. But yet, sometimes we don't know how this looks in a person's life. If we're to reflect Him, we need to know this. In our appetites. Notice the verses that are on your your, uh, notes there. In uh, Psalm 37.3 Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land. And verily thou shalt be fed. I'll tell you what, that's what we want to do at Westside Baptist Church. When you come to Sunday school, when you come to Sunday morning, you come tonight. By the way, tonight we're having communion and a syncspiration, and we're going to just be focusing on what Jesus Christ has done for us and our salvation, and we're going to take communion together. It's, it should be a, a, a rich time together. 
We need to be fed. On Wednesday nights, we come to be fed in the Word of God and whatever Bible study we might be involved with, whatever uh, personal time, to be fed. Boy, I'll tell you what, this is rich. By the way, it is my prayer. Oftentimes when I'm here on Wednesday night, because Wednesday night's a little bit harder for people to get out. And I pray this, darling, and I say, you know, because you drive a long way to come to church. I pray, Lord, help it to be worth their coming. Help it be worth their coming. Because we want to go home with something. We're not just playing church. This isn't just a social club. Man, we are coming to get fed spiritually and, and emotionally. And, 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 and just, man, it seems like we get fed physically a lot around here too, doesn't it? After this conference yesterday, we had so much food. But understand what I'm talking about. The appetites of the soul. The appetites of our emotions. The appetites of our intellect. In the Word of God can be satisfied by our communion. And our meditation. And our attention unto Him. He says, delight thyself also in the Lord. Do you remember when I brought up this word, delight thyself in the Lord? What the word delight means? It comes from the Hebrew word, which means to make it a delicacy. So how am I in my devotions or in church, how am I making this a delicacy? Have you ever noticed the way people eat today? Have you ever ate your meal and you didn't even know what you're eating because you're eating it so fast? What I've discovered is that if I can savor the food. Janie made this new uh, chicken dish. It had mushrooms. Matthew, it had bacon on it. Oh! It was so good. And what I discovered, Joanne, was as I cut off the piece and I put it in my mouth, I wanted to savor it. It was a delicacy. That's the way the Word of God needs to be. I'm hoping it's that way with you. If it's not, discover how it can become that way. As he talks about, as we talk about the appetites, that this should be more necessary than our food that we eat on a daily basis. May we be in the Word of God. May we be in the church. And then by attention, we talked about this in some, some aspects, our attention. Not down in the dumps, under the weather, but my attention on to the Lord. Let me tell you something. This world needs to see people who are preoccupied with their attention on God. I'm telling you, I'm preaching to myself. Because I have tunnel vision sometimes. And I will run into a store to get what I want and go out and never even realize that there's a people and a world around me that needs Jesus Christ. Sometimes my attention falls sour and my attitude stinks because my attention is under the weather rather than on Jesus Christ. He says there in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, If ye then be risen with Christ. By the way, how many of you are risen with Christ? If you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you are risen with Him. You have a new life. You've been born again. He says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things. When he uses that word seek, it's not a casual glance nor a a, a comfortable looking around for something. It is, you have lost your keys. You're in the middle of a desert. You don't have any food or water in the car. And you're going to die there if you don't find your keys. That's a little bit different word than seeking, isn't it? Some of you have been there. Some of you have lost your glasses. Where are they? 
Doesn't it trouble you? Where are they? They're on the top of your head. They're so close, but yet you don't know where they are. The word there is seek those things which are above. Set your affections on things above. Set your affections on things above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on the things on this earth. And yet our affections are on the things of this earth and they're grabbing our attention and we're spending so much of our lives on the things here rather than there. Do we understand how short this world is? The Bible says our life is but a vapor. And yet we put so much energy in that which is a vapor rather than that which is going to last for eternity. Now listen, you need to be honest with yourself as I need to be honest with myself. Am I living for eternity or am I living for the now? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 is a marvelous verse. I've uh, committed it to memory. Many of you know that verse. Uh, It was given to me in a book that is called uh, uh, The Obedience Option. And basically, when you come to a fork in the road, which way are you going to go? And basically, the, the bottom line of this book is turn over the rocks and discover what's under the rocks. Here's the road of the flesh or the road of the devil or the road of self. What you need to do is you need to turn over the rocks. When I was growing up on the farm, my grandmother had all these rocks. And for whatever reason, we painted them white. They were kind of the line, the sidewalk and the driveway. We painted them white. Anybody else paint their rocks white? All right. From Germany. Must be from, uh, she was from France. So maybe it was over there a cultural thing. I don't know. But anyways, here's these beautiful white rocks. And I remember as a little kid, we'd go out because we'd have to mow. And, we, and it's hard to, to, to edge around the rocks. So we would take the rocks and we'd move them onto the sidewalk or we'd move them on to the driveway so we could mow over the holes that were there. And I remember time and time again, when we turned over those rocks, there were maggots, worms, and all kinds of creepy crawling things. Now, being a good boy, I loved it, all right? But you know what I mean? The devil has a beautiful white rock out there, but you turn it over and you discover the maggots of life. And you need to look at that before you make the decision to go down the wrong road. And then here, here's another road and God says, follow this way. But it seems so long and it seems so far out there. And I'm just 18 years old or 17 years old or 16 years old or 120 years old. (laughs) aren't you glad i went that way brother mike (laughs) i'm telling you and and you look at it as it seems so far it's worth it it's worth it to keep your life pure it's worth it to follow god hebrews 11 6 says he that cometh to god must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder Of them that diligently seek Him. The word diligently. In fact, uh, Brother Mike, I've heard this. I've quoted this verse. And I decided this morning, you know what? I want to look up that word diligent. What does that word mean? It means to investigate. To investigate. 
You need to investigate what God has and believe what God has. That someday you are going to die. If you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you'll be in heaven. And what you have done since you've been saved will be rewarded in heaven. Right or wrong, Darlene? You'll have rewards for all of eternity. For what we do on this world. He that cometh God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. This is our attention. To investigate. To discover. Then the last one we're going to get to this morning is in my ability. I need to reflect who God is, not in my ability, but his ability, right or wrong. Here it says uh, in uh, 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 Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your needs according. I like that word, according. You go back, my God shall supply. Do you know the word supply there is not just that you got your truck full to make it through life? The word supply there is actually an overflowing abundance of, uh, of ability. My God shall overflow all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Man, we need to understand that. But oftentimes we make our decisions based on our abilities rather than God's. You know, when Irving property came on the radar three or four years ago, I think it's four years ago now. Is it? Do you think it was that long? Does anybody remember how long ago it was? Dale, you should remember how long ago it was. Three or four years? I don't know. When... The Irving property came on the radar about us getting that, and we began to pray. How many remember praying? Lord, open and close doors. Y'all remember that? You know what I was praying? Close the doors, Lord. Please close the doors, Lord. Yeah, we'll pray, open the doors, but I don't really mean that. Close the doors. Do you think this preacher really wanted to go into this property? You know why? Fear, worry. Think of what we have to do. We're kind of comfortable here. We got a few nice people here. It was all about us accomplishing a task rather than seeing what God's going to do. Is God able? God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above what you ask or think. Now unto Him, may God be praised by our attitude, by understanding His ability. Do you, you know what I saw? Here's our little church on Echo Hollow for almost 36 years now, on most of the time a half acre, and there's 17 acres out there, Matthew. I thought, man, who's going to mow it? <laughs> Patrick, that, I'm telling you, that's how my mind thinks. Who's going to mow this? This is a lot of mowing. I don't even like mowing my front lawn, and it's a thousand square feet. 17 acres times 43,000, so many odd square feet per acre. That's a lot of ground, isn't it, Jerry? But it's beautiful. That's how I kept convincing myself boy, there's some pretty trees here, and it's beautiful. 
But oftentimes we make decisions based on our abilities that are in His. Have you ever noticed in the Bible that oftentimes God sets up the equation that it is beyond you? Because He wants to receive the glory and He is a jealous God. He does not want to share it with us. This project is not about us. It is about Him. But oftentimes, to all of us as a church, there's a warning that comes as things don't always go the way you think they should go. And all of a sudden, you run into some Red Seas. Oh, man, why did that have to get there? Or dry holes, or detours, or dead ends. And all of a sudden, you begin to wonder, does God care? Does God know where we are? Maybe we should go back to Egypt. Let me ask you, is that healthy thinking? You could ask a few million people if they realized today whether that was healthy thinking. Our attitude and our complaining and how we view things and what God wants in our lives so often we begin to take uh, the wrong ownership of it. And just like the Israelites, uh, they make, make the wrong decisions. I was reading and we have a book that we're sharing with our staff right now. It's called Management, a Biblical Approach. And in there they have a, a section on attitude and performance. Does attitude affect performance? Sure does. The fellow that wrote this book, he uh, he was doing a lecture on on these things, and and one of the CEO, or not CEO, but one of the the managers of the company came up, and she says, "You know what you're saying is not really going to work." You know what he said to her? He says, "You're right." She says, "What do you mean? You've just been talking for several hours on how this is a good plan. Now why are you saying it's not going to work?" He says, "No, it won't work if that's your attitude." And oftentimes our doubts limits God's to what we could see in his in our lives and what God wants to accomplish. You know the story of the Exodus in Israel as they were going in and they crossed the Red Sea and as they were going in and they were right there now at Kadesh Barnea. By the way, if you read the five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, the Torah, those books there, that much of it is dealing with one year of their time in Sinai. By the Mount Sinai, the, uh, Mount, uh, Mount, Mount Sinai, where they receive the law. There in Exodus chapter 20, is that right, Mike? In Exodus chapter 20 through Numbers 13, one year. You look at that, Exodus 20 to Numbers 13, one year of time. And they are there at Kadesh Barnea. Moses sends out the 12 spies into the land. Those 12 spies were not to discover whether they were supposed to go into the land or not. They were supposed to discover what we should do and when we get there. And those 12 spies came back, and you know the story. And they came back and said, man, it is a, it is a land that fl- flows with milk and honey. He says, but... We were talking to, uh, I think, Dale this morning as we were talking about... Uh, he said, man, that was a good message this morning. And I, and I just stopped and I paused. And I was waiting for the but... You know, because that's sometimes what happens. That was a good message, but... And do you know the but often undoes everything that was said before? Do you all understand that? But there was... He, he said, there's no but here. I said, well, well... I said, anyways. Uh, the longer, though, it is, they came back and they says, there's a man, land that fills with milk and honey, but... In verse 28 of Numbers 13, it says, but the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We have saw the descendants... 
of Anak there. You see what they said? We saw the power of the enemy. And they took their eyes off of God. Is that a dangerous place for any people? Any project? Absolutely. And the longer they dwelt on the negative, the more negative they became. And finally, 10 out of the 12 spies, they said, we cannot attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And those 10 spies spread that venomous poison into Israel. And Israel just said, we cannot do it. Can I encourage you? We need to be careful about what we say or how we respond to the things in our life. Sometimes we are the ones who are acting as if God is dead. And I have to be honest with myself. And I want to be honest with myself. The longer those spies talked and listened to their own negative thoughts, the more convinced they had become that it was impossible to invade the land. And it says here, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. I love how that Bible says that. And we looked the same to them. How did they know that? Is that a true statement? The manager or the writer of the management of the biblical approach, he goes on. Jerry, did you get this book or no? Oh, okay. He goes on. And listen, let's, let's now advance 40 years forward. And they send now Joshua, there's at Jericho, and they send two spies across the Jericho, uh, the Jordan into Jericho. And what did those two spies discover? They came upon a woman by the name of Rahab. Do you remember what Rahab said? They said, hey, 40 years ago, when my parents were alive, we heard about you guys. And our hearts were taken with such fear. The Israelites had convinced themselves that they were like grasshoppers and they had convinced themselves that the enemy thought the same. Forty years later, they discover that the enemy had fear because they had heard not about Israel, but they had heard about Israel's God. She says, Rahab says, man, we heard about how God separated the Red Sea and there was terror in our hearts. But Israel lost. How many people, millions of people died in the wilderness wandering because they had fear in their heart of who their God and what he was capable of doing. And then I I like this. I always bring this out. Rahab says, man, we heard about you. What took you guys so long to get here? What is it? It's a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith. And I'll tell you what, God's been challenging my heart and I hope He's challenging your heart. We have a God who's bigger than us and we need to be obedient unto Him. And by the way, as I was reading down in, in, in Numbers 26, now you remember that um, the, 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 uh, the, uh, after they come back and, and Moses says you cannot go into the promised land, they tried to go into the promised land and they were not able to do so. 
uh, this is in Bible Pathways. I'm not sure what date it is. It's someplace in February, I believe. He says that every crossroad in our life, we will have two choices. We can choose to follow God or we can strike out on our own. We must remember, however, if God has to lead us down the alternative path because we were too scared to take the main road, then we no longer have the opportunity to turn around. In Numbers 26, there was another census taken. And by the way, in, from, Numbers 20, uh, uh, from uh, Numbers 14 to Numbers 26, you're covering almost 38 years of history. And there's very little said about what took place in those 38 years. But you come down to the end of this time and Moses is going to write Deuteronomy. He's going to encourage them to go into the promised land. He will not be the one that takes them into the promised land. But in Numbers 26, verse 64, they take another census and it says, But among these there was not a man of them whom Moses and Aaron, the priests, numbered uh, when they numbered the children of Israel in the wilderness of Sinai. In other words, just before they were at Kadesh Barnea, there was not one left. For the Lord had said of them, they shall surely die in the wilderness. And there was not left a man of them, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the other spy, and Joshua, the other spy, the two spies that came back, gave a good report, the son of none. All those people, 20 years of age and older, died in the wilderness, and they never were able to go into the promised land because of a lack of faith. You know what, my friends? You know, we had a leadership conference yesterday and there could be so many people that come out of that and say, boy, there were so many neat things and how many wonderful aspects of leadership. I could never measure up. You know, God doesn't want us to be in our own strength. He wants to work through us and we just need to make ourselves available to Him. Amen to that? May God be honored and may God be glorified. Father, I pray that you help us in our abilities to understand that it's not my ability that accomplishes, but it's according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. It's overflowing supply that you're willing to give to those who will make themselves available and those who are willing to do and serve you. I pray that, Lord, that we'll be careful about how we respond to things in our ministries or in our families about how we reflect who you are in our attitudes. Lord, I've asked you time and time again to forgive me of, of my stinking rotten attitude. God, help us now with this as we want to bring you glory and we believe that you want the glory. And Father, thank you so much that we have the privilege to serve you. Now, heads are bowed and eyes are closed and our time is gone. Thank you for listening so well. But right now, have you been honest with yourself? Have you been honest with yourself about your attitude? Have you been honest about the attire and the uh, ambitions and the attendance and uh, the uh, aptitudes of our lives and our abilities and all these things? Can we say to ourselves that my responses do not really reflect who God is and I need to do better. I need to discover Him. Maybe you've grown flat in your spiritual life. You say, I need a revitalization. I need a revival. We don't have to wait to revival services. You can have a revival right now in your soul and understand that this life is short and we're going to meet Him someday and we better start believing that God is. <laughs> and He's a rewarder 
of them who diligently seek Him. I've already been brought under conviction about being honest with myself. How about you this morning? If you were to die right now, don't try to convince yourself that you're going to go to heaven by your own opinions, your own thoughts. But do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Does He live in your soul? Is He a part of your life? Has He changed you? If you know that, you can say, I have an absolute assurance I'm going to heaven, not by my abilities, but by His. His sacrifice on the cross to give me eternal life. Right now, you need to be honest with where you're going to spend eternity. And if you're not certain of your eternal destiny, I would encourage you before you leave that you visit with somebody. We're going to give an invitation here. and You can come during this time or you can come after this time. But will you settle the matter where you'll spend eternity? And then, my friends, brothers and sisters in the Lord, as this church and as we as Christians are supposed to be bringing light to this world, let's be talking about how great our God is rather than being down in the dumps. And let's make our attention towards Him. That this world will see a light that's shining brightly, not confusing them by a God of our own imaginations, but a God who really is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, holy, loving, just, immutable, faithful, patient, gracious, merciful God who He is. Oh, thank you, Lord. Now in these decisions for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. What's the number you're going to sing? 325, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Let's find our pages, 325. Don't let the book hold you back from whatever decision you need to make for the Lord. I pray you've already made the right decisions, and that is to follow the Lord. And then, I tell you what, it's good to have an attitude adjustment or an attitude checkup now and then, amen? Let's stand together. Let's sing, have thine own way, Lord. Make sure we sing it with our hearts, with honesty in our soul. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Yeah, he's doing that, isn't he? referred to as water, as light, as bread, all kinds of things. The Holy Spirit is a washing of regeneration in our soul. And as we've come today, I pray that God has taken the scrub brush to our soul. And that we will ask God, help us to be honest with Him. Amen? Well, thank you for coming. We have a wonderful service tonight, and you've got a bulletin in front of you that talks about everything that is going on. Before you leave, let me just point out a couple things. And truly, if you have some decisions to make, 
Don't leave without coming and visiting. All right? Make sure you do that. I hate just going into the announcements without saying, hey, if God's working, you keep it working until you get it settled. If that means going home and getting down on your knees or tonight before you go to bed, just say, where am I with you, Lord? I need to be honest. I need to be searching. Bible pathways are out there on the, um, on the back. There's also some clothes. Uh, the Shicks have brought in some wonderful clothes uh, of uh, suits and all kinds of things. You need to be a little bit smaller person than me to fit in them, though. And you need to be a little bit shorter than Mike over here, all right? But if you fit into that category, like David over here, David's kind of on a role model of what would fit into that. Or some of you young men, some neat clothes over there. I don't know, Nick, you might or might not. Uh, anyway, so there on the back, uh, the hall, uh, the, not the hall, but the, the uh, coat rack back there. There's a missions conference sign-up for people that are coming in. We've got a great missions conference. What a joy it is to take care of God's servants. We need meals and housing. So you can see that on the back table. And uh, nursery workers are, and parents. And anybody that would like to work in the nursery, we're having a potluck next Sunday after the second service. So that's in your bulletin. The Golden Chosen. There's a sign-up there to go to the mental hospital. And I, I tell you, I mean, I, I read this and I'm getting hysterical. We're sending our golden chosen to the mental hospital. There's an entrance fee of three dollars, but it doesn't talk about what it's going to cost to get you out of there. All right. <laughs> then they're go. They're supposed to be going to eat afterwards. And it's called almost home. Well, that was interesting. And then it says bring money for lunch and a jacket. And I wonder what kind of jacket they're talking about. Well, we hope we don't lose too many uh, when that event takes place. The medical bottles there for Dove and uh, the Helping Hearts. This is a ministry that we get to help uh, people that are more infirmed in our church, our widows, our elderly. They're going to meet on uh, Tuesday at 1 o'clock here. Pat Moses is in charge of that. If you can't come to the meeting but you'd like to be a part of it, let her know. But we'll be meeting Monday, or excuse me, Tuesday at 1 o'clock. Very important. God bless you. Lord willing, we'll see you tonight. Nursery workers. Yes, nursery workers. Read over the bulletin. You're dismissed.